Welcome to Matt Geek Gab, episode 938 for Monday, July 25th, 2022. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Matt Geek Gab, the show where you send in your tips questions and cool stuff found to us here at feedback at macgeekgab.com. And then we take those questions and we answer them. We take your tips. We take your cool stuff found. We share them. The goal is we do this so that we can each learn at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include Otherworld Computing and their new Mini Stack STX. Uh, Collide at K-O-L-I-D-E. Dot com slash MGG, where you can they've got this device security thing for your for your business where it uses Slack and actually engages your users. It's actually really amazing. And then uh, LinkedIn, where you can go to LinkedIn dot com slash MGG and post 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 your first job for free. We have used this and I will tell you about that and all the others shortly here for now in hot, at least on the day we're recording this. Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. And here, also in hot weather, this is in Fairfield, Connecticut. This is John F. Braun. And here, where it's always hot, in Memphis, Tennessee, is Pilot Pete Purst. I think that's a first post. I don't know. I think Purst? First post? I don't first, know, man. Yeah, per, don't first know. post. Purst. But uh, I don't know what to say, except uh, I'm surprised this show has gotten off the ground. We had three <laughs> attempts and a failure to launch, and we're finally here. And uh, and it's a thrill to be with you guys. That's you. right. So thanks. I, I wasn't sure with your pregnant pause, John, where you couldn't remember where you were. Uh, or his if, name. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> if, if maybe we had to go for take four. But uh, but it seems we are here, which is good. Um. Yeah, let, yeah. Let's uh, let's get right into it and see what we've got here. In the last episode, nine thirty seven, we were talking all about how to uh, use c- command backtick. We'll call it, which is the 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 non shifted version of the tilde key to uh, to go backwards when once you have the app switcher up. And uh, listener Chris says. Uh, Certainly in 937, Jeremy mentioned that this keyboard shortcut only behaves this way if the application switcher is active initially. So the user must initiate the application switcher with command tab or shift command tab and then tap the back tick key instead of the tab key, all while still holding command. However, if a user just presses command back tick without the application switcher being first active, the Mac will switch between open windows in the frontmost application. For example, if you have multiple Word documents open, command backtick would cycle through only the Word documents and shift command backtick cycles through those documents in reverse order. If there's only one window for the frontmost application, the Mac doesn't do anything. That's handy. I I think I'm going to use this in terminal more than anything else because I have I, I constantly have different terminal windows open. So uh, assuming it works there, I'm excited about this. So thanks, Chris. It's good stuff. Any thoughts on that, guys, before we move on to the, the second one that's sort of related to that? 
I got nothing. All right. Well, then we will go to Raymond here, who uh, says, I was listening to 937 this morning about the keyboard functions for bringing up the app switcher and switching tabs. And uh, I was trying other combinations and found one that surprised me. I have a 27-inch monitor with my M1 Mini, and I use spaces to have all of my apps running. I have five spaces set up, and today, after listening to your show, I tried some more key combinations and found that control left arrow and control right arrow will switch the spaces screen. I didn't know that. Something new. Very cool, Raymond. Thank you for sharing that. This is what we love about the quick tips, because they're things that we know how to do once we know how to do them. And once you incorporate them into your workflow, they become... Right. So awesome. That's the key. Yep. Except when you're and then you're standing over someone's shoulder watching them do it and they're playing with the mouse and trying to you're just going, oh, stop, please yeah. just use <laughs> it. That, that is the hardest part is like, can, can I show you something that would make my stress level lower in this moment? Yeah. Of course, what you're what you're actually doing is trading your stress level for theirs in most theirs, cases. That's right. Yeah. Right. So it, Which it, I'm OK with that most of the time. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Yeah. My wife is not. Just, right. just for the record, my wife is not. <laughs> and I find the same thing at home. That's true. Yeah. yeah. My my wife, um, uh, she she gets the thing that upsets her even more than that, though, is when she's having a problem on her computer and she shows it to me. And it's usually something that she's been struggling with for days, like trying to figure out how to fix on her own. And I go over and within seconds, it's just working again. And so and and that infuriates her to no end. And uh, so now what she'll do is she won't let me touch her computer. She'll just say, hey, can you come stand near my computer while I try this thing so that it, it fixes itself? And more often than not, it does. Uh, my, it's a great view. <laughs> yeah. My my neighbor the other day texted me something. He was like, oh, we're having this problem with the computer. I'm like, oh, well, I, you know, I asked him some questions and then he texted me back. He's like, I don't know what you did because you couldn't have possibly done anything from remote. But you have magic texting powers, and now my computer's working again, and it hasn't for days. And so I showed that to my wife, and she's like, I, I can't. Like, I don't know what to do about this. So, Dave, I got to jump in and tell you, I, I can't tell you how many times I've written up a problem on an airplane, and you know, the block's getting ready to go. Maintenance comes out. They come in, and it works. Yeah. The airplanes are afraid of mechanics. Computers are afraid of, of tech geeks. It's yep. just it's the way life works. It's the way life works. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So my wife gets to lord over me that she's seen fish two more times than I have. And uh, and and I, I think I need to to let her continue to to have that. I don't know how I would how I would change that. But but, you know, because we <laughs> wind up going to shows together. So, you know, that's how it works. Now you could get in trouble if you caught up to her. Right. I could. There was one. Spe- <laughs> so Mac stock uh, is well, will have happened by the time the show comes out. There was one Mac stock where uh, I got there. And for the pre-party show on Friday night or something. And people are like, I'm surprised you're here. Fish is, you know, I thought you'd be at the fish show in Chicago tonight. It was like, I didn't even think about this. Normally I'm, I'm pretty aware when I travel, you know, what's going to happen, but it's, it usually is because I'm with Lisa. And so it just didn't even dawn on me. So I had the opportunity to catch up and I, I did not. So back to the show or back to the agenda for the show, uh, in, in our discord chat, which has just really become a, fantastic resource for a lot of things uh, at MacGeekUp.com slash Discord. PC Unix over there says, uh, I like to sit with my wife while she watches TV shows that I don't like. 
I use my iPad with AirPods then, but every time I do, the Apple TV kept wanting to connect to them, and this annoyed her. Today, I noticed the suggest nearby AirPods setting on my Apple TV, and I turned it off, and now it doesn't bother my wife. When I put my AirPods in, her show continues as it should. So... If you, if you, I know a lot of people who do this. And so I figured that was a good tip to share on the show because um, it is interesting when your Apple TV just offers to connect to your AirPods. It's pretty cool, but it's interesting. So. If you want it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. It's cool when you want it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have been advised that that is not spending time together. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes. See. <laughs> see. That's correct. That is correct. The only time I use my AirPods with my Apple TV was when I watched uh, that movie during here at home during South by Southwest that was that used spatial audio uh, and it made it super simple and it was fantastic. Uh, and I for some reason, I can't remember the name of the movie. I will put it in the show notes, I promise. So you can go to MacGeekUp.com and it'll be there right in the PC Unix on Discord uh, item at seven thirty five in the in the list of show notes. So I promise the, the, the name of the movie will be there. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the show notes, listener Walt reminds or informs us of perhaps a a a PSA, not really a quick tip. Uh, Apple's podcast app truncates show notes, so you will not see. We tend to we tend to be fairly. Fairly verbose. I mean, we don't we write like a one little paragraph description of what the episode's about. And then we just list uh, all of the things that we have, um, you know, that we've discussed in the show, including chapter timestamps and all of that good stuff. Apple's app totally follows the timestamps for chapters. You can jump around. That's no problem. And you can jump all the way to the end. That's no problem. But the actual listing of them in the show notes gets truncated for us, usually about a third to a half of the way down. So if you are wanting to look at and click on links in the show notes while you're listening to the show, you're either going to have to do it in a different podcast app. I use Overcast, and that's totally fine. Downcast, also totally fine. In fact, I think every single podcast app other than Apple's, totally fine. But uh, Apple's, not totally fine. So uh, you either have to do that or just visit the show on the web. And if you know the episode number, you know the URL. You can go to mgg.fm slash episode number. So for example, for this show, you'd go to mgg.fm slash 938. That brings you to uh, the, the show notes for 938. And we've standardized on that. It's one of the benefits of having moved to our own site now. We get to we get to do some fun things like that. So yeah. All right. Anything uh, any any more quick tips before we move on to some questions, guys? Want to take us to Tannel, John? Why not? Um, Tannel says, I recently traveled to Ireland and I have some travel advice. I had to take a bus at 1 a.m. in order to reach the Dublin airport on time. My plan was to charge all my devices before leaving my accommodation, but my iPhone 12 mini was charging very slowly. Then I remembered about the optimized charging. Sure enough, after switching off for a day... My phone got hotter and charged fast. My advice is that when one needs to charge phone during their normal sleep time, then turn optimized charging off. Fascinating. Yeah. Huh. I never, I mean, I, I knew that optimized charging would get you to 80% and then 
you know, decide when to add the final 20%. But I didn't know that it trickle or more slowly charged. I don't want to say trickle charge because that might be the wrong term, but I didn't realize it more slowly charged. That's fascinating. That's a good tip. Huh? All right. Yeah. Now, a couple of follow ups on that. So I've had a case where I'm out and about and I look at my phone and, and the battery charging thing is red. So you can go into low power mode. That'll give you a little boost if you don't happen to have anything to charge it with. Sure. Um, and uh, the other thing is, you know, I'm getting ready to travel here is pack a battery pack. MagSafe or otherwise. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Good stuff. Cool. More on that, or are we uh, we good to move on to Robert? Uh, sure. All right. Cool. Pete, do you have anything more on uh, charging and traveling? You're the- uh, I'll just I'll just second John's advice. Uh, if if in these days, especially if you take off without a full battery pack, backup. They're they're so cheap, relatively speaking. Yeah. For for what you get out of them, uh, and I've actually you know I've been on an airplane with people. And, you have a cord I can borrow here. Don't have a cord. Just, you know, you have, you have a Qi charging phone. Put, put this against my Qi, Qi battery and you're good. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's yeah. I, yeah, I can't, especially, you know, a flight that's four hours or more. I, like I, I find if right. I don't charge before I land, I'm in, I could be in trouble. Yep. Especially, especially if you're, and if you've got connecting flights and things like that, where you're, you know, you're kind of bouncing around, you're going to wind up using your phone in different ways and, and burning it down. So, and I don't remember what brand I have, but it's, it's about an 18 to 20 milliamp, 18 to 20,000 milliamp hour battery. But the nice, nicest thing about it is it has a digital uh, charge left, uh-huh. you know, when it goes to hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. So I know exactly where I am on charge availability at any given time. When you find out the brand of it, let us know. We'll put that in the show notes too, Pete. I'll do that. In fact, on uh, one of the ads, I may run upstairs and grab it. Okay. And yeah. Great. Yeah. That sounds good. Um, speaking of traveling listener, Robert heard episode nine thirty seven. He says about air tags and luggage. We have multiple bags we use, small ones, big ones, depending on the length of the trip. I used to move the air tags between our bags. Then it hit me. I should just put it in my toiletries cases. Then, regardless of the bag I use, I will have that with me when I travel. I I had never thought of this, and I love this idea for two reasons. Number one, exactly what he says. Number two, when we're not traveling, we store our bags in the attic. And on days like today and seasons like this one, you know, those batteries, I mean, it's, it's got to be well over 100 in my attic. Uh, and so that's not the best thing for batteries. We've left AirPods up there through a, a season and it's been fine, but it's got to be better for it not to cook it for days or weeks on end when we're not using it. So to have it in the toiletries case, which tends to remain in a climate controlled portion of the home, uh, I like this idea for a variety of reasons. That's a great one, Robert. Yeah. My only issue is I have I have two toiletries cases that I use, one for long trips and one for short trips. <laughs> so uh, so but if I'm checking a bag on the plane, it will almost certainly be the larger of the two cases. Uh, so maybe that solves my problem because I, I do keep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, it's like an excuse to buy another air tag, Dave. 
<laughs> I don't need an excuse. To, I, I'll buy AirTags for anything, man. Like they are so go. valuable that twenty nine yeah. bucks or you know twenty five if you're buying a four pack, um, or if you got them on Amazon Prime Day, I think you were, were able to get them for less than ninety for a four pack too. Some people reported to us. So nice. Yeah. Well, if you use your Apple Card and buy the four pack, you get your three percent back, and you know, it's, oh it's yeah, a little better. You know, I, you know, I never use my Apple Card. Um, I have one, but I'm I'm such a rewards points geek that I, you know, I can't bring myself to use the Apple card. Although, obviously, the Apple card will bring me rewards. And if it's from Apple, quite significant rewards. So I, I need to I need to bake that into my thought process. Yeah, I, I was a big uh, I see John's got something too, uh, but I, I was a big uh, using my Amex to my hotel points card. Exactly. And, and I got the Apple card for when I bought my daughter's computer uh, to go to college. And then I'll tell you where I recently used it and it saved real money. Uh, I, I drove my F-150 to Florida and back. And they have a deal with Exxon where if you use Exxon and mobile, right. if you use uh, Apple Pay, you get three percent back. Well, at, at gas prices now, you're looking at thirteen, fourteen, fifteen cents a gallon off. Yeah, start saving real money. So, huh. uh, yeah. So that's where I've I've started using mine. I I think that's my issue. Is I run so many of those types of expenses through the businesses when I when when legitimately able to, and there are no business Apple cards, and so that. Uh, yeah, that's pro- I mean, look, there there is a mechanism by which you can, you know, I could I could build a company and the company could reimburse me and all of that. That's a major headache versus just having the company pay the credit card bill for the company credit card. <laughs> so um, so I think that's also part of it. But, yeah, I got to I got to I got to reintegrate this into my life. Go ahead, John. Um, one thing that I do. So I. I have quite a few cards, and sometimes it's hard to keep track of what offers you get. And every now and then, they'll come with a surprise offer. Like, as of late, um, one of my city cards, they're like, hey, if you use it for travel, um, we'll give you, uh, you know, like bonus points, like more points than we usually do. Um, one of my other cards was like, hey, you want 0.1% interest for until, you know, like the end of the year? And I'm like, uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Apple card, if you go to the Apple card site, though, they will list all the uh, deals and they've uh, thrown thrown a few in every now and then. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And, and I will add their customer service was excellent. When, uh, when I misplaced a card and I needed one and it was in Florida, I'm like, hey, I'm in Florida can you send it here instead of to my home address? Yeah. And they did a few things to verify I was who I said I was and all that. And, and, and I expected it in the mail. And so I tried to activate the mailbox and, and talk to the post office person. And they're like, yeah, okay, we'll let that one piece through. Cause it's not an active mail mailbox. And the next thing I know, FedEx arrives at my door with the card. Amazing. There you go. Yeah. They were super. It was fast. Uh, yeah. Cool. Cool. That's great. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, let's see. Well, we get a couple of items of note, one from me and one from listener Eddie. Uh, then we've got some cool stuff found to get to. We'll share a little bit about our, our sponsors in here. Uh, the first thing I wanted to mention is that on uh, Sunday after this episode comes out, so Sunday, July 31st at 9 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 
We will be in our Discord channel or our Discord server, our Discord room. MacGeekUp. We will be at MacGeekUp.com slash Discord. And we will be having a Synology Hangout. This is an like a, a group participation thing. So it's not a production uh, like we do here where it's, you know, a unidirectional. Even this show is in unidirectional. We're literally reading your questions that are coming in. But you get what we're saying. A, an immersive, interactive thing where everybody uh, that wants to gets to, you know, chat and share and ask. And it's just a group learning experience. And we're going to be focusing on uh, Synology for that one because that that's what y'all wanted. So that'll be at MacGeekUp.com slash Discord on Sunday, July 31st, 9 p.m. EDT. If you want to know when these things are happening, join the Mac Geek Gab calendar at MacGeekGab.com slash calendar. So uh, I have a suggestion. Yes, Pete. I, I think and it may, I, I think it's doable since you also own MGG.FM. Put a redirect there. MGG.FM slash Discord. So or did I just confuse? Matters? No, I have I, the way we are doing things for the show notes makes it. So that adding anything else after mgg.fm slash, if you just go to mgg.fm, it'll, it'll redirect you to the Mac Geek Hub homepage. Anything after that starts to get to be very difficult to gotcha. change. So there's no site there. It's a redirect. It, it is a redirect. Why. It's, gotcha. and I, I'm not good enough with regular expressions to uh, parse when it's a number and I need to do one thing with it. And when it's like, say, the word discord and I need to do something else with it, I, I, I could now that I'm saying it out loud, I could do things in a certain order, but I'm actually doing it all through Cloudflare. And I only get three rules at Cloudflare on our account. And so I've already used two of them. So rule number one, don't cross the streams. <laughs> yeah. So I, I could add discord there. And, you know, what, I will. But um, but that's now our third rule. And so if, for example, someone ever suggested another one. Now we're kind of running up against a wall. So that's why we haven't done that. But you're you're absolutely right. I, I should solve this problem a different way so that we can really leverage MGG.FM the way we want to. So, yeah, absolutely. No, you're you, you didn't. You did a good thing, Pete. You, for, okay. you didn't want you, to muddy the water. No, <laughs> you forced me to do something that I know I should be doing anyway. So, okay. yeah, yeah. Speaking of things we should be doing anyway, Eddie brings us all the way back to 933. Uh, he says, I'm just writing in my two cents on the the desk cable hanging maneuver, the dangling of the cable so that it doesn't fall down. He says, uh, I think for its name, people are overthinking this. There is a precedent for naming such a procedure after the inventor, discover, discoverer or popularizer of said procedure. Think of the Heimlich maneuver or the Immelman turn. So. In this vein, Eddie says, I think we should call it, drum roll, of course, I'm too far away from my snare drum to do this, the Hamilton Maneuver. So, thanks, Eddie. We'll, uh, we should have known. We'll, I could have we'll, gotten one in with Farago. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. That's right. You have them there. I, can, I mean, I can run over and, and hit the yeah. snare drum and do a little <laughs> quick drum roll, but, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's yeah. All right. Well, first up today is Otherworld Computing with their Mini Stack STX. This is stackable storage, and they call it the Mini Stack because it's the same form factor as your Mac Mini, and it is built to stack right underneath your Mac Mini. So you put this down, you put your Mac Mini on top of it. Now, why would you do this? Well, it's got storage in there, right? So you can buy it for two seventy nine with nothing. 
or you can go all the way up to 18 terabytes because you can put a 14 terabyte hard drive in there and a four terabyte SSD and you can configure it any way you like. Just the hard drive, just the SSD, or like I said, with both. And then on top of that, or I should say underneath that, because underneath your Mac Mini, it's got four Thunderbolt 4 ports. One of these goes upstream to your Mac Mini, and the other one gives you all the expandability you're going to need because this has got OWC's implementation of Thunderbolt hubbing in it and opens the door to endless possibilities. Your backups can be covered by this, right? It's compatible with USB-equipped Macs, PCs, iPads, Chromebooks, Android tablets, anything that supports external storage. You can have RAID 1 protection with optional soft RAID software from OWC. It's whisper quiet. you got to go check this thing out. Go to MacSales.com and check out the OWC Mini Stack STX or just click the link in the show notes. And our thanks to OWC for sponsoring this episode. As the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. Our sponsor, LinkedIn Jobs, helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. We used LinkedIn Jobs to find Sadie. That has been a spectacular success. And we would not have found her without LinkedIn Jobs. And I am glad we did. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then you add your job in the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people. And then they have these simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk with faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MGG. That's linkedin.com slash MGG to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And our thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for sponsoring this episode. Next up is our sponsor, Collide. Listen, traditional endpoint security tools can make your workplace feel like a surveillance state and turn users and the IT team into adversaries and ultimately drive your employees to work on unsecured personal devices. It doesn't have to be this way. Collide is a device security solution built around honest security. Their philosophy is that employees aren't your biggest security risk. They're your biggest allies. And your relationship with them should be based on transparency and informed consent. Collide works by notifying your employees of security issues via Slack and giving them step-by-step instructions on how to resolve them themselves. For IT and security teams, Collide provides the right level of visibility for Mac, Windows, and Linux devices. And it can answer questions about your fleet security that traditional MDMs cannot You can meet your security goals without compromising your values. Visit collide.com slash MGG to find out how. If you follow that link, they'll hook you up with a goodie bag just for activating a free trial. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash MGG. And our thanks to Collide for sponsoring this episode. All right. Um, Let's talk about some cool stuff found here. Listener Rich is is going to hip us to the first one here. Rich shares, he says, I bought a new MacBook Pro 14-inch M1, and while I'm at my desk, I use a nice big external monitor. I've tried extended displays before, but I really wanted to use just one display at my desk. But 
I didn't want to use clamshell mode as my Touch ID and camera are built in. I found it distracting to have the MacBook Pro display sitting there mirrored and at a horrible resolution. So I began looking for a way to disable the screen while attached to the monitor. I knew I could use the keyboard to lower the brightness, but I wanted a more automated way. Enter Lunar at Lunar.fyi. It has a setting called Blackout Mode that does just this automatically. When I attach my external monitor via USB-C, it can automatically disable the screen by setting the brightness to zero. I love it. I never thought I would be the guy to share a tip, but hey, there you go. Thanks, Rich. Of course, we're all here to share tips. That's, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I like this. All right, Pete, you got a cool stuff found for us, man. I I did, sort of. Uh, uh, Of course, it turns out I've had this for so many years, I don't think they make it anymore. I have a pocket juice with a cheat charging and the uh, amount of battery remaining uh, in digital form on the... uh, on on the front of the battery itself, and you can turn it on and off with a little side battery, so you can stop it from inadvertently charging. But what I did do is go find a similar one on Amazon, and I put the link right in the show notes right below the uh, uh, great part in there where we were talking about it. And this one is a 30,800 milliamp hour with the power display, 25 watts, fast Qi charging et cetera, et cetera, USB-C inputs. And, uh, and it's only 3195. Oh, uh, amazing. Amazon. Yeah. Oh. So, uh, yeah, nice, nice piece of gear. Nice. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Ah, yeah. I like it. All right. Pretty cool. Uh, all right. Moving on with cool stuff found here. Block tech on our discord channel shared. We were talking about someone actually asked, is there a way to, make sure my Apple watch puck charger stays connected to my Apple watch when uh, it like in my travel bag, like because it it's just magnetic and it's not a super strong magnet. So it's very easy for it to fall off. In fact, I've had mine fall off even on the bedside table. If the cable has too much torque to it or something and it just falls off and I wake up and my watch is isn't charged. Well, thank goodness. Uh, Block tech found this Apple watch charging clip uh, and it's it's at uh, studio neat n-e-a-t dot com. I don't know how else we would have spelled studio neat to be honest. I don't know why I spelled that out, but uh, it it's it's just a a, a formed piece of plastic that uh, I think it's I oh, they, they even say it's three D printed, and actually you can download or you can download your own three D print directly if you want to make your own. But uh, but yeah, they've got they've got them for. Watches in all sizes and shapes and you can just go buy it. And it it's just a little clip that keeps the puck stuck to your watch. So if you're on that airplane and you're flying and you know your watch needs to be charged before you land, well, now's a good time to do it. And you just hook it up and you're good to go. So, yeah, nice find, Block Tech. I like that. It's good stuff. Now an excuse to go buy a 3D printer. It's an excuse to go buy a 3D <laughs> printer. That's right. John, you know, I know you're an X-Files fan. And one of the things that I noticed about the X-Files on starting from the first episode was how strong their flashlights are uh, or were, I guess, uh, since the show no longer happens. I finally have found the Fox Mulder flashlight, and it is the Infinity X1. It's an LED light. The one I have is 2,500 lumens. They actually make one that's 5,000 lumens. This 2,500 lumen thing lights up my entire backyard. It's insane. It's got four different, uh, three different 
power levels four if you include off as one of them of course uh and and it's got a bunch of led you know cells or whatever you call it in the in the uh thing i'm pretty sure that this is what fox Mulder would have used if if this tech was available back then and uh it's a it's it's a fantastic flashlight. One of the cool things is it comes with two uh, battery packs, if you will. One for the 2,500 milliamp hour that takes six AA batteries, and you just put that in, you're good to go. The other one is a rechargeable battery pack that has its own USB cord in it, and you can just plug it into a USB-A port and charge it up. And then the other side of it has a USB-A socket so that you can charge your devices from this battery if you want to use it that way too. I think it gets on the lowest setting, it'll get like five and a half hours of, of continuous light on the highest setting at 2,500 lumens. It'll do like, I think over two hours. So this is a, it's a pretty cool thing. It's like 70 bucks. I mean, it's not cheap, but you know, if you want that X files flashlight, it's, it's the way to go. (laughs) Can you adjust the, um, the field? I don't, I didn't find a way to do that. No, uh, it, it, but it's, it's like super bright. I don't know that you would need to. Mm-hmm. So, okay. No, I got one. I think it's uh bell and Howell. I think. Okay. Yeah. But it has, <clears throat> it does say you can, you can focus. Slider. Actually, it does say you can focus narrow and wide. I haven't oh. figured out how to do cool. that. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I mean, the I one that I have, is... you just slide the slide, the part that has the led in it. You just, Slide it up and down. Sure. You change the uh, focus. I have one similar to that. And my guess is that you are going to rotate the focus Uh head. The the ring on the top of it or something? Slide it around and then relock. Yeah. That. Oh, Um, I'll mess with that. Okay, great. Yep. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. Uh, next up also comes from discord and, uh, Markintosh there. And it is the knob scout bike alarm and finder. And it is exactly what it sounds like. And it uses air tag or it doesn't, I don't think they call it an air tag, but it is baked into the find my network. So yes, an air tag. And, uh, it fits kind of right on your bike where the the water bottle would go. So it, it locks in there and then you'd put your water bottle over it. If you have a water bottle, otherwise it just kind of sits there on your bike. And then your bike is part of the, your bicycle, I should say, to make sure we're, we're differentiating between a motorcycle and a bicycle. So this is for your bicycle, although maybe you could find a way to hook it to your motorcycle. And, uh, and there you go. It's part of the find my network. That's which I thought was pretty cool. That was Markintosh that shared that on Discord for us. So, oh, that's excellent, right? Because it's uh, it, it's sneaky, you know. I think there's no air tag to rip off, so to speak. Unless- th- yeah, right, right. It's not like there's just an air tag sitting on the handlebars that you can unclip easily and and move on. Yeah, exactly. This right. is it's pretty locked in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then uh, Brian Monroe on Discord told us about. Uh, Max fan control from crystalidea.com. This allows you to control fans on all Macs, including Apple Silicon Macs, which is pretty cool. So, uh, and it, it does all kinds of things and it'll monitor all the temperature sensors and, you know, everything else. And you can set custom RPMs for the fans. 
Uh, evidently, it also works uh, on Windows if installed via boot camp, even on models with a T2 chip. So not, that would be Intel, not Apple Silicon, obviously. But uh, but yeah, so Max fan control from crystalidea.com. Thanks for that, Brian Monroe. Fun stuff. Nice. Yes. Um, uh, just to mention, but I yeah. menus has a very basic fan control, but this sounds a lot more sophisticated. It does. I, I'm assuming it does, but I'll ask the question. Does iStat menus fan control work on Apple Silicon as well? I don't have an Apple Silicon Mac with a fan, so that's that's why I asked the question. Right. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, okay. I'm guessing it does. I mean, I, th- those guys have been pretty ahead of the, you know, ahead of the curve through most of mm-hmm. the, uh, yeah, most of the. So iStat menus will control the fan? I thought it just told you what the fan was doing. No, you can, can actually. Control it. Yeah. And, and okay. yeah. Yeah, that, and that's been in there for a while, and you can actually set some profiles, too, so you can jump around and, and tell it, okay, you know, I, now I want the fan at this speed, or now I want the fan at that speed. Yeah, it's 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 pretty good about it. So Nice. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, we have, uh, as, as you've probably noticed, we've been doing some, some swaps, if you will, with other podcasts that uh, have audiences we think might, it might benefit from uh, one another here. And so we've got a couple podcasts to share with you. First up is Grumpy Old Geeks. I love this name. Grumpy Old Geeks isn't just another podcast with two old white guys talking about tech news, security, movies, TV, books, and more. And that's because occasionally there are three of them. Seems like Mac Geek Gab a little bit. And they've been podcasting for almost a decade with over 550 episodes. Brian and Jason have almost 50 years of combined experience as internet industry professionals for whatever that's worth. They've seen the information superhighway go from the dream of a shining Star Trekian future to a William Gibson dystopian nightmare of legless virtual avatars in a cloud of BS and vaporware. They promised us a future of flying cars, but all we got was self-driving cars that are always 20 years away, corporate mass surveillance, and NFTs. There are many swears and feels, mostly grumpy, but hosts Brian, Jason, and sometimes Dave discuss what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Tune in every Saturday for a heaping helping of the real deal on our technological future and more. Go to GOG.show or search for Grumpy Old Geeks on your platform of choice. And our thanks to Grumpy Old Geeks for doing this swap with us. Next up is Changelog. This is an interesting show. They interview the hackers, the leaders, and the innovators of the software world. They've been at this since 2009 and are at almost 500 episodes, so they definitely understand what they're doing over there. And their show is Polyglot. No specific programming language or community. MacGeekab fans can go and listen to their conversation with Jesse Grossjean from Hogbay Software discussing his two decades as a solo indie Mac developer. And other episodes they've done recently that kind of have some broad appeal, practical ways to solve hard problems in episode 486, wisdom from 50 plus years in software featuring Brian Carrigan, that's episode 484, complex systems and second order effects, That's episode 474. And you can just also take a listen to their trailer to hear how they talk about the show. And you can do that at changelog.fm. So search over at changelog.fm or search for changelog wherever you like to get your podcasts. And our thanks to the changelog folks for doing this swap with us. All right. 
Uh, let's go to listener John. I know we're going to be doing a Synology thing on Sunday night. So let's use this as maybe a little, uh, we'll whet our appetites. John writes, he says, having recently purchased a DS220 Plus, I'm regretting not waiting a month. It has recently come to my attention that we will be adding two M1 MacBook Airs to our home soon. And now I need more space on my NAS to uh, do time machine backups uh, than I previously anticipated. So my question is this. What are the pros and cons of simply getting bigger drives for my 220, adding storage, versus upgrading to, say, the 420 plus with two more six terabyte drives? Okay, so I don't think there's a wrong answer here, but there's answers. Um, The 220 plus, I think it's actually a great unit and could serve you really well for for years to come. But it lacks drive bays and it also lacks the, the ability to be extended. Uh, I've been using four or five bays disk stations for a very long time. And I really like the additional storage capacity that you get when you have a four bay array, especially with Synology hybrid raid. So the, the reason is with one disk redundancy, right? And let's assume we're using one disk redundancy everywhere, which means that one drive can die in any of these units we're talking about. And you don't even lose access to the unit, let alone access to your data. Everything is fine. You just replace the drive. It rebuilds the array. And throughout that, you're able to keep access to everything. All is good. In a two-bay unit, though, one drive redundancy means that half of your storage is dedicated to that one drive redundancy. So if you have two six terabyte drives in there, you get six terabytes of storage. In a four bay unit, only 25% of your storage is dedicated to one bay redundancy. So if you have four six terabyte drives in there, you get 18 terabytes of storage. Uh, and so you're only losing 25%. In a five bay, you're only losing 20%. Or in a five bay, you can do what I do, which is have a four bay array. And then the fifth bay I use for a hot spare. And that way, when a drive dies, I don't have to do anything. The Synology just says, oh, that drive died. I'm going to use the hot spare. And it immediately starts rebuilding the array. No delays. Everything's good. And so that's why I like the multi bay, the, the more than two bay units, the four and higher because uh because of that that's all so um you know i i don't know i i have more thoughts on this but john do you have uh anything to share before i i ramble further um uh, both the, the so let's see here one two three four one two three four five six so one of mine has four bays and one has six bays oh. um my advice would be yeah You're going to get more redundancy if you have more than two bays. Uh, No, you get the same level of redundancy. I mean, it's one drive, right? Right, right. I mean, you could do two drive, two bay redundancy and and Mm. like it will let you do that. But then, of course, you're dedicating more storage to it uh, and you need four. I think you need at least four bays for that. You might need even more. I don't I don't I've never Uh, done two bay three. Really? I don't know that Synology sells a unit with three. I, I don't know of any Synology. Well, no, I think three th- to do SHR, I think you need three, at least three drives, right? No, you can do SHR with two um, right. because one nice thing, if you're someone in, in listener John's position, 
is if if he set that up with SHR Synology Hybrid RAID, yes, it effectively mirrors the drives. But because it's got SHR at the core, he can take those two drives and move them into a four or six or eight bay unit and then add more drives to it. And now the 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 true benefits of Synology Hybrid RAID start to start to really kind of shine. So, yeah, no, yeah, you, you can do SHR with with two bays for sure. Yeah. You just don't see any any real benefits over mirroring until you get to, like you said, three or more. Right. So, yeah. Now, does the I'm going to assume by the model number that you cannot get an expansion bay. The 220 plus does not have an expansion bay. And again, uh, the model number will not tell you that um, it it's it it's unfortunate that that's the case. <laughs> Right, I think, right? Or does the model number tell you that? Am I missing something on that, John? Um, I think you are. Based on what I know, the formula is... So, like, I have a... I think it's a 1620. I can't quite make it out okay. here. So, what that's saying is you can get up to 16 bays if you oh. use an expansion chassis. And then the 20 means that it was made in 2020. Yes, right. Oh, yeah, okay. I think you're right. I, I learned a thing. There's one of my five. There you go. Got it. Yeah, it's a, it's basically an eSATA port on the back. Yeah. And then you get the expansion bay, and then you get more drives. So. Interesting. All right. Huh. Oh, see, there you go. This is this is why I love doing this show. Yeah. I have sense. a thought, and then a question for an opinion. Yes. The, the first thought was, uh, as you were talking about it, if a drive fails on your system, is that in addition to you having to do nothing, it does in fact notify you that oh, by the way, something's done, so you can put a new hot hot one. It, it doesn't. It doesn't do it silently and leave you high and dry when the next one fails. No, no, no. That that is a very good point. You get yeah. I get all kinds of notifications. Assuming right. you've set up notifications, right. if, if right. you haven't, well, you know it's not magic, right? But uh, at the very least, <laughs> yeah, at the very least, yeah. you would see it when you log in. To the interface, you would you would see, you know, like alerts and it would tell you, hey, man, like, here's what just happened. But, yeah, it, right. it'll, um, it, you know, I have push notifications set up for my phone. I also have email notifications in case I miss the push. So, yeah, it, it uh, there's no way I miss out on this. But it's it is right. nice. It I think it happened to me. I think I mentioned it on the show. It might have been, I don't know, three to six months ago or something where. I just woke up one day and it was like, oh, evidently I lost a drive overnight. Okay, fine. Like it happens. It's, it's just right. part of the deal. Yep. So, well, and then, then the other part was, I guess, a question for, for an opinion. And I, I, I think, I guess, I, I guess I know what you're doing here. The reason you're using one instead of two drive redundancy is you've got just about the same odds of hitting the lottery is for two drives to fail at the same time, unless something really catastrophic is going on, in which case all your drives are going to go and you're losing that whole unit. But I know, mean, like a lightning strike or now in your case, <laughs> you're, you're a lightning rod, a human lightning rod, I think, Dave. But, yeah. Uh, at least your house is. <laughs> My house is. Yeah. It, um, so you're almost correct on that. Okay. And and where I would put an asterisk, and I'm glad you brought it up because it is an important thing Drives are are very consistent, especially drives from the same batch. So if you buy, if you go on Amazon or Newegg or wherever and you buy, you know, four, six terabyte drives and, and like just in your cart, say one, two, three, four, add order, they arrive, you put them all in at the same time. 
they will very likely fail at almost exactly the same time. And the important part to remember or to know if you didn't know already is that when OneDrive dies and you start this process of of integrating the spare, be it a hot spare or or not, it's crunching all of your drives to do this because it's got to rebuild this data set and get parity back in place. So it's going through everything on your drives. And if there's another drive that's about ready to fail, that's when it's going to happen when you're really crunching it. So yeah. my advice is to, and, and this is the advice that I learned from, you know, sysadmins at very large companies is never buy drives from the same place. Uh, you know, I, 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 the guy I learned it from was like, oh yeah, he says, I call my anger micro rep and I tell him, okay, I need, you know, eight drives and I'll need to be whatever, 10 terabytes or something. But I want to make sure two of them come from that warehouse and two of them come from that warehouse and two of them come from, you know, and uh, it's, I mean, I have seen it here. I've, I've made this mistake and, and watched it happen. Thankfully it's never been catastrophic, but I have seen drive start, you know, the second drive start throwing errors during the the resurfacing of the of the so one. The serial numbers are indeed serial. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So <laughs> so you, you can hedge your bets to make it uh, far less likely that you would run into this problem. And so now what I do is I just buy one drive at a time. Like when my most recent drive died, I just bought one. And now that's my hot spare. And I just sort of work down the, the path that way. So, um and I, 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 you know, I just, I just wound up upgrading to the new DS fifteen twenty two plus. I say upgrading. I, I think, and I think that word is correct. Um, it, it has a much more powerful CPU. It has this AMD Ryzen CPU in it, whereas the uh, one that I went from, which was the DS fifteen twenty plus, so very similar in model number, just one's two years newer than the other. Uh, and evidently either could be expanded to 15 bays, as John just taught me. Uh, it, the the Ryzen CPU for a CPU is far more powerful than the Celeron that I had in the 1520. What the Celeron has that the AMD Ryzen lacks is a GPU, a.k.a. a hardware video transcoding engine. Uh, that That's what does when you see like something doing hardware transcoding for Plex or Video Station – it's using the GPU uh, uh, in the processor to do that. So it's, I mean, it's not really hardware. It's, I mean, it's all software. It's just software using a different piece of hardware. <laughs> uh, and, I, but I've messed with it enough over the last couple of weeks. And I've done some travel where I've, I've had it do, you know, transcoding on the unit for me in like a hotel room to watch things. And it's, it's been fine. Like I haven't run into any issues. So, uh, it is and and it and for other things like all my docker containers and all that stuff it's so much faster so uh i've been i've been pretty stoked with this i i i went in though quite skeptical about cuz it's i don't think i mean it's been years since i've run a synology without a gpu and so i was worried cuz i a plex is a huge part of what i do it's a huge part i know of what a majority of our audience does with their disk stations so I, it, I've been hesitant to talk about it until I started to get more confident with, you know, is it okay to run a faster CPU with no GPU and still use it for this purpose? So far, so good. It's been, about, like I said, it's been about a month. So um, I'll, keep, I'll keep everybody posted. But so far, 
I, th I think it truly is an upgrade uh, in a in a variety of ways. And and it supports more memory uh, and it's ECC memory, uh, which, of course, makes it a little more expensive, but does make it, you know, faster and better and all that good stuff. Uh, and I can go up to 32 gigs, which I think I'm at eight now. And I I was at eight on the 1520, which was fine. But I think I'm going to double it up to 16 and, you know, just just because headroom is a good thing. You can add a 10 gig port to it too. Nice. Yeah. Um, speaking of things that you can do on your Synology, Thad had a fantastic little tip for us. He says, um, I recently set up a Synology NAS and retired the 2010 Mac pro that I'd previously been using as a file server in the past. I'd been sharing my library of movies and TV shows that I had ripped or acquired through other means via iTunes. For the last 10 years or so, I've been converting uh, H.264 and H.265 MKV files to MP4 containers with Subler and adding all the iTunes metadata with Meta Z. It's a bit of an intensive process, but I like how much control it gives me. Uh, um, I'm going to skip to. So uh, he says I it, to that end, I wanted to be able to access my library through iTunes home sharing on my Apple TV and other devices. Since Synology's iTunes server option uh, does not support iTunes home sharing, this didn't fit my needs. So I devised the ultimate clunky workaround. And, and I, I'll share this workaround, but I want all of us to kind of think about it, not to solve the iTunes problem, because that was Thad's specific problem, but to solve any problem that doesn't have a Synology app or a Docker container to solve it. And what Thad says he did is he says, I installed a Windows on a virtual machine on my NAS and set up iTunes inside that. This feels a bit like swatting a mosquito with a boulder, but it works. I now have access to all my videos from all my Apple devices via iTunes home sharing, meaning I can see all the metadata, the played versus unplayed status for each file inside the computer app uh, on the Apple TV, just like I could when I had it set up on my Mac Pro. It would, he says it would not surprise me if nobody really wants to do this. And that's true. You might be the only one that wants to do this, Thad. But the idea of using, if you can't, if you have something that you want to run on your, on your Synology and you can't find a Synology app or a Docker container to do it, if it can be done inside Windows, you can run a VM. And, you know, it doesn't need to be fast. It doesn't need to run Windows at light speed because you're not interacting with it as a Windows GUI interface, it's just the Windows container sits there to run the app that you can't run any other way. In his case, you know, Apple Music or iTunes or whatever it is he's running. So I thought that was pretty good. I, I like the thinking here. And that that's why I wanted to share it. So, yeah. Yeah, once they introduced that, I tried it once. Um, So I had to jump through a hoop here. So here's a caution. So, so I run Parallels. Thing is, the Synology VM, last I checked, doesn't support that format. Okay. But uh, VMware makes a utility that'll convert a Parallels file huh. to a VMware-compatible format, and then it'll see it. The only bad news is that I have relatively low-powered Synologies, so I was able to bring my VM uh, over 
But I think uh, in Windows, I think it was Windows 11 or maybe 10. I, I, yeah, I don't think it pre- runs Windows 11. I think it only runs Windows up, up to Windows 10 on, on the Synology VM. Okay, no, so, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, it, here's the only thing is that they have buried deep within the system somewhere. They have a performance rating. And I think the rating after I ran it, or it's, it's a benchmark, was 1. Sure. Ten, <laughs> yeah, right. No, that makes sense. I mean, it was usable. Yeah, it just it, it, you know. Yeah. Think about if you're getting a, um, yeah, if you're getting a Synology, you know, think about the processor. It can be important. Um, now they have some enterprise units which have way uh, more power than probably most people need, and you know, you can set up multiple VMs for different people and stuff like that. But it's a nice feature. Yeah. Well, and that, I think that's where the the them adding the AMD Ryzen CPU to the uh, to the DS fifteen twenty two, and I and I think there's another one this year, the nine twenty two uh, that also gets it would would be sort of the answer to that is hey if you want to if you want to really have interactive Windows uh, here you go you can you, know, you can do a little bit better with a VM with with a, a quote unquote real processor, but I think even your you know, the Celeron that you've got in yours, John, would mm-hmm. run like for Thad's purpose, which effectively we're, we're, we're sort of treating it like a Docker container, right? Like it's not something you're going to log into and mess with a whole lot. It's just running a little server for you. So I, my guess is it would work fine on, on, you know, something less powerful. So, yeah, I like, I, I like the idea. It like you, I, I never thought of my consumer targeted disk stations as being functional to run like windows <laughs> the way you and I would want to run windows. But, um, but you know, for this purpose, kind of treating it as a, a, a fancy Docker, if you will, that's, I don't know. It's pretty good. Uh, all right. Where are we here? You know, we've had a lot of, a lot more feedback than I expected on the whole, mobile RV thing, internet for your mobile, you know, for your RV. And, uh, and we have two more things to share, John. I think you want to take us to, to Mark first here. I will take us to Mark. Sweet. So uh, Mark says there is a paid website that covers all the nuances of internet for RVs and actually for boats too. Oh. the site. Um, oh. The site is mostly aimed at full-time RVers and it may create more questions than it answers, but it is a great resource. If you are not logged into a paid account, the content is very limited, but you can get a decent start by following their guides. The site covers everything, routers, hotspots, cell boosters, antennas, mounting kits, cell plans, recommended setups for each type of RV, um, and news. It is updated daily with the latest news and equipment. What's the website? It is rvmobileinternet.com. Nice. Cool. Yeah, and then he has a little follow-up here, just as a warning when we're talking about a... Uh, as for the Starlink that you mentioned in the episode, it works great unless there are any trees in the dish's view. Then it barely works at all. When I'm out in an RV, there are almost always trees where I am parked. That's so. a really good point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Satellite doesn't, I, th- I think it doesn't do Bring good your through off. trees. <laughs> and I think satellite doesn't do good through water, or maybe it does. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I thought someone who had satellite yeah, mentioned no, it that if, well if it's raining water, or we, snowing. Yeah, you get rain and snow, your direct TV satellite will go out frequently. That's Big right. thunderstorms will will block view. 
Yeah. 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 Brian Monroe says uh, in the, in the discord chat says bring a chainsaw. So, mm-hmm. you know, really, I think, I, well, I was going to say my first thought was just bring a, a, a like an a extendable pole that you can put your, your dish on, mm-hmm. you know, like a lightning rod. <laughs> I don't know that you'd want this. <laughs> Maybe don't take my advice on that one. So, yeah. Uh, there was one more, right? From listener Bart. Yeah. Yes. So uh, we were having discussions about Internet options, and uh, he asked the question about this one. Um, uh, wanted to follow up and ask your opinion on this on this device and service, and they are at traveldata.page. I'm like, hmm, that's odd. I didn't know you could do that, but I guess you can. Sure. Um, sounds almost too good to be true, and I don't want to get caught. Any comments would be appreciated. Um. So I looked it over, Dave, and so what it is, is they will offer you a router. Okay. Uh, I'm looking right here, and they configure it for you and all that. Uh, one-time device charge is $235. Okay. Okay. Um, and then they got- Cheaper than plans. Starlink. Yeah. <clears throat> and then they have two different plans. One is $62 per month for unlimited, unthrottled data and video streaming at DVD quality, or $85 per month for unlimited, unthrottled data and video streaming at HD quality. Okay. Okay. So it sounds good. The only thing I noticed, uh, and looking at their coverage map, I, I'm guessing they're piggybacking on T-Mobile. It looks like a T-Mobile coverage map. Gotcha. On the site there. Yeah, yeah. No, I've got the site up. And if people are watching the video, they can see it too. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I thought you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing I would... Uh, yeah, my only caution is that it's it's LTE. It's not 5G. So... Huh. If you're fine with LTE, then... You know, give it a spin. Yeah, interesting. That that, that makes me think maybe it's not T-Mobile because T-Mobile's like deep in on the five G thing, and even even with their yeah. MVNOs. So, huh? Interesting. All right. Well. I'm I'm really tempted to try and replace my my Comcast cable <laughs> with it since we don't have Fidium yet, and doesn't look like we're the cable's been wound up at the end of our street for uh, about four months now. I don't know if they're going to bring us. Yeah, I thought yeah. you were getting fiber over there, Pete. I yeah, I, yeah, I don't know if we're getting it or not. Like I say, the, the fiber's been wound up and hanging on a telephone pole at the end of our street since probably March. Huh? Have you have you ta- like have you called them? Because they they might be able to tell you what's going on. So uh, haven't called them. Uh, but my wife grabbed someone that was surveying the neighborhood at one point, and they, yeah. they, you know we get the soon, definitely soon, so real soon now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tomorrow or later. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, yeah, I, everybody's offering fiber in my neighborhood neighborhood now. Yeah. Which yeah. Isn't surprising because from what I know of most networks, they all use a fiber backbone. So they're just extending that to you. Maybe. I mean, I know Consolidated is using like they rolled out new fiber here. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, they're not they're not using, say, Comcast's fiber backbone. Yep, yep. They're using their own. But um, but yeah, it, it would it would seem that with deregulation, there might be some, you know, backhaul sharing. I don't know. I, I don't know. It may not be as far. Uh, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. There's others coming to us, too, Pete, that I've seen. So hopefully. Mm-hmm. But they got to get it to your like to your neighborhood first. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's not going to it doesn't matter. I, I wonder 
you know, if it's if it's to the end of your street, I wonder if no one has ordered it yet, and therefore they haven't run the final, you know, couple hundred feet oh, for I you. Wonder, yeah, there may be a waiting list thing to do. Yeah, just just go if if you order it, they might be like, oh, great, okay, yeah, now we'll we'll finish because like for me, they ran it on our street, but you know when they when I had them come out, they had to run it from the pole to my house, and you know, so right. You know, and you're not in a particularly urban area. So. No, I'm not. No. no. Yeah, we're we're on. I, I say two acres owning. That's not really true, but, you know, yeah. close enough. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Hey, um, you know, the last. Uh, I don't even know what the right. Uh, the, the last Discord hangout we did was all about Plex. And during it, listener, the JT Ray uh, told us about a tool called rename my TV series at tweaking for all.com with the number four. And what this is for is with Plex and, and most other engines like this, but certainly with Plex, it will figure out what show you have and what episode each file is. As long as things are named in a way that it can do that and rename my TV series is an app. Actually it's rename my TV series too. Uh, that will let you do all of this and will do a lot of it automatically for you. So uh, I thought that was a pretty, pretty handy little handy little app and wanted to share it as some more cool stuff found for today. So, yeah, good. Any, awesome. any, yeah, cool. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? The, oh yeah. The, the folks at, at Pitaka, I don't know what the, I don't know how to pronounce that name have uh, have this flipbook case for iPads with magic keyboards. And it, it really is. It's not a case as much as it is a cover because it never leaves your device. It, you just connect it to your device and then sort of unfold it. And now you've got a stand for your iPad that puts the magic keyboard where you would want it. And I just thought it was a pretty cool little, uh, kind of all in one design makes it really easy to just flip open and use, but still protects it because it's got leather on both sides and, you know, holds it together and all of that stuff. So I, I just, I like this idea. It made me, it kind of reminded me of the, you know, the shells that we put on our, on our laptops sometimes to protect them. But this shell actually has a carrying handle. So it really is just like fold it and go and you're good to go. So I, I kind of, I don't know. Flipbook case for uh, for iPad with the Magic Keyboard. It's a pretty cool little thing, worth checking out. I think it's uh, what eighty nine bucks for this thing, so not not terrible, especially when you're getting leather or something approximating it. I'm not sure which which it is, but it's worth checking uh, out. Some of those are still much more expensive than eighty nine bucks. Yeah, and that's true. For what you get, that looks pretty cool. Yeah, something soon. The iPad will replace my laptop. You think so? I'll be able to use it just like my laptop. Well, I'm hoping so. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe. I'd like to go down to one one device. <laughs> yeah, that's... Oh, wouldn't we all? Yeah. An yeah. iPad, an iPhone, a laptop. A watch, chargers. Yeah. yeah. Well, the watch I wear, you know, that goes yeah, with me true. anyway. But yeah, but yeah, it's just... It's a lot. I can't get away with... I mean, I guess there, there are some bidding programs on on the iPad, but I find them much more clunky than the one that comes available yeah. to me to bid my schedules on my laptop. Yeah. And so 
Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I, I love my iPad. I bring it with me when I travel. It's great on airplanes for watching movies. I, I you know, I, I'm a big fan of the iPad mini. I always have been. And so using the mini on a plane, especially in, you know, cattle steerage back there uh, makes a lot of sense. It often hangs really nicely in the seat back in front of me. So I don't even have to put it on the tray table. And, uh, but there are a lot of things I do where I, I, I could probably do them on the iPad if I had to, but it's like typing with mittens on It's like the laptop makes life a lot easier. So, yeah. I don't know. What do you Great think, team. John? Mr. No thoughts. No thoughts. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of traveling, one thing that uh, I've gotten to mess with lately, we talked about it on the show, and then I actually got some and was able to start using them, is the MagSafe pop sockets. And I, I think this is the best way for a pop socket to work because I've had these pop sockets before. I don't like having them on my phone when I know that I'm not going to be using a pop socket. Pop sockets, I, I, I'm guessing most folks have seen them. They are, they fold somewhat flat to the phone and then they telescope kind of like the, uh, the cups that you used to have as kids. And maybe we still have them where it, you know, it folds kind of down into a series of rings and then you pull it up and now you have a cup that, that will actually hold water. The pop socket is similar accordion style thing and you can fit your fingers around it once it's open and really grip your phone with one hand. It's a fantastic thing when you need it and being able to put it on and remove it with the ease of MagSafe is awesome. And they've, they've got them. They've got pop grips that just have the MagSafe pop socket. They've got them with wallets in them. If you want to, you know, if you want to do that, I wound up using the wallet one uh, for a while when we were in, in Greece, they, they showed up like the day before we were, we left and it, it was great because it gave me the ability to hold my phone with one hand, which I love to do when I'm traveling it, like walking around in cities, you know, I'm constantly pulling out the map and I hate the thought of dropping my phone. But sometimes I try to tap on the screen while I'm holding it with one hand. The pop socket saves me. So uh, it also makes a nice stand. It's true. Yeah, yeah you're right. You stand. That's right. Watch yeah. Yeah. Very good point. Yeah. And they've, you know, they've got them in all kinds of colors and, and everything. So yeah, I, I like pop socket and MagSafe to me is, 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 is a perfect marriage. And, uh, and it, it, it proved out, you know, I, I was happy about it when I heard about it. I was even happier with it when I was able to actually touch it. So yeah. Yeah. The quote the Guinness said, brilliant. It is brilliant. Yeah. I think so. What you, I think you got some of these too, John, what do you think? They, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. They sent me the wallet one too. Okay. Um, so it can hold either three credit cards or six business cards. Okay. Um, and it also shields your cards. Um, it shields your, 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 your cards from the magnets. Uh, right. Magnets don't really work too well with mag stripes. So who uses mag stripe anymore? But eh, some people probably. Yeah. There's it. a couple things that do. Yeah. But you're right. Most of them are just using the chip or the, um, well, the chip or the NFC. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And then they also offer, uh, you know, some neat accessories, uh, a stand, which you can put on a flat surface or a car mount if you want to yep. mount your uh, equipped phone uh, in the car. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty cool thing. I was, I was pretty stoked about it. 
Uh, where are we on time here? All right. One, one last thing. I noticed, John, recently that the, uh, the speed test app, you know, the, the one from the folks at Ookla, it added a responsiveness metric to the results. So what speed test used to do, and it still does this, is it would do a ping before it started doing the speed test, and then it would stop doing the ping and do a download test and give you your download speed and do an upload test and give you your upload speed, and then it would show you this report. What it's done now is it keeps doing the ping during the download test and during the upload test and shows you how using your speed affects the responsiveness of your network device, whatever it, it is. And that can be that can be telling for a lot of things. Now, on Wi-Fi, it, you can have Wi-Fi congestion that will just if you're soaking up the, the maximum speed of your Wi-Fi, well, then you're going to see reduced ping speeds. But like on your Mac, this starts to get really interesting because you can start looking at things like buffer bloat and see what your cable modem's doing to you and why you would want to move to fiber and, you know, all of those things. So maybe it was the fiber companies that during their rollout convinced Ookla to add this so that people could see the difference. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I just I, I thought that was a pretty cool thing. So anyway, that's that's why we mentioned this stuff. Thoughts from anybody? Yeah. All right. Well, then I think it's time. The walrus said, just like last week. Yeah, here we are. Talking walruses. Talking walruses. (laughs) So we're recording this before you head to MacStock, John. I am am eager to hear how MacStock goes, how it went when you you return, my friend. So you're you're there. You you will have been there, what, Friday through Monday? Is that right? Uh... I'm there Friday, and then the event is Saturday and Sunday, and then I'm flying out on Monday. Flying out on Monday. That's cool. Great. Cool. Yeah, well, please tell everybody I said hi. I am I am bummed that schedules mean that I cannot be there this time, but uh, I, you, I, Max Stock will be in my heart. I will be there in spirit, so, or will have been you there know, in spirit. I would love to go, and uh, but I'm going back to work. They're oh. making me work for my money again. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes that happens, Pete. Yeah, tacos yeah. Yeah. can only go out on a medical so long <laughs> that's right yeah 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 uh you can hear pete's show at so there i was dot us i believe uh you're about to publish a new episode so for those of you in the live stream take a look and for those Should of be you out later today oh, yeah. there you go. um be advised it's it's uh this one may deal with a little fecal matter. Uh, there you go. <laughs> I think most of your episodes do, Pete. It's kind of yeah, well, at least goes. two of them do now. So uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's uh, we do label it explicit. Yeah. But uh, yeah. But it's a lot of fun. We, we had difficulty with schedules this week, uh, so it's, it, this one is just big and me. But uh, we dedicate this show to uh, get uh, the Colonel uh, okay. Mitch Triplett, who was our first CEO, and he passed cancer last week. Uh, but uh, Sorry to yeah, hear it's, it's sad. Um, but uh, what a great Marine, great leader. And so we have a couple good stories about him and then Big's wild story. So. There you go. Well, <laughs> I mean, you label it explicit as though you have to. I, mean, I guess Apple would make you. Folks, yes. it's two pilots talking, sometimes three pilots talking. I, there's like, of course, it's explicit. It's just yeah, how it works. There's an F bomb here and there, that sort yeah. of thing. But, uh, That's how it works. Yeah. Well, we keep uh, this. This one gets a little gross. (laughs) All right. Well, fair warning. (laughs) 
We well, how about those flight attendants? Yeah. <laughs> they actually have to deal with people. Yeah. Which, yeah. yeah. <laughs> couldn't do their job. Could not do their job. Yeah. There's a reason they'll let the pilots be armed, but not the flight attendants. That's right. That's right. Yeah. There you go. Just say it. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for checking out our sponsors. Thanks for checking out the two new shows that we mentioned, Grumpy Old Geeks and The Changelog. Of course, our sponsors, OWC's Mini Stack STX. LinkedIn.com slash MGG, where you can post your first job for free. Collide.com slash MGG, where you can, you can get your uh, sign up and get your goodie bag from them. So, good stuff. Thanks to Cashfly for providing all the bandwidth. And thanks to all of you for listening, sharing your stuff. It means a lot, and we really appreciate it. Pete, do you have anything to help us with as we sail off for this week? I hope I do. I hope I'm coming through clear because my bandwidth is showing really, really strained right now. So I'm going to just say three words and hopefully they get through to everybody. Don't get caught. They made it. Made up.